this month is our mission month. Uh, what's our mission? It's, on, it's in the four when you walk in, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. Anybody think you can change the world? Amen. In and of ourselves, we can't, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. We can change this city. Amen. With God. And so we're going to, today is, we're going to launch into that. But uh, before we do that, uh, I want to turn it over to this lady right here. Sorry for the interruption. Um, As some of you might know, um, very special lady's birthday is tomorrow. Um, And we love you so much. And this is just a teeny tiny token of our appreciation and I'm pretty sure I speak for everybody when I say that you are incredible. Everything you do, you do with excellence. We this church wouldn't be here without you and we love you so much. Happy birthday to my lovely bride. Amen. And uh I'm my gift to her is uh tomorrow night crab legs. I'm gonna boil some crab legs. She loves crab legs. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pick them up at Albertsons at 4 o'clock. <laughs> you like how I did that there? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty smooth. Yeah, I want to dismiss our kids' city at this time. They're excited, ready to go. Amen. And, um, and so, I said last week that I, I would teach from down here. Because in my brain, if I'm up here, I have to preach. It's just the way it is. And so it, it, to you, it probably doesn't matter. But if I step down here, I know, oh, i got to teach. And so um, that's what I'm doing. So um, I, am, I am very excited about this series. Um, I, I think it's, it has already blessed me. So I hope it's going to bless you. I'll just say it that way. It, it really has already blessed me, and uh, I am very excited for um, beginning our teaching series, and we're going to walk through this month, and we're going to talk about the mission of knowing God. We're going to talk about next week how to find freedom. We're going to talk about how to discover our purpose. Uh, Let me tell you, there is a distinct privilege of understanding that I am not here just to exist. Man, there's a word that I have discovered that defines people that have no purpose beyond making a dollar. If, if all of our purpose is to make a dollar and to uh, live, in a, live in a nice house, if, if that's the only purpose we have here on earth, then there is a single word that defines that, aimless. That's, that's, a, that's, a shallow, that's a shallow purpose. But you see, that's not our purpose. We have a greater purpose that gives us fulfillment. It gives us power. He equips us. And we're going to be talking about that. And I'm so excited uh, for the next several weeks. And then we're going to talk about how to take all of this, how to take our deeper understanding of God, how to take the freedom that we find, and how to take the purpose that we discover and, and use it to change our world. Now, I know you can't change the entire globe, but you can change your world. You can change those in your world. 
man, and that's what we're going to be talking about this week. And then the last Sunday of the month is going to be a family Sunday. And so I'm excited um, about that. And so if you need to know the schedule, we have schedules at the Giving Center. You can pick one of those up. Uh, it has detailed the month of June and the month of July. So um, there we go. That's that. All right. So we're going to start off with a verse that um, if you hear, was here last week, was used last week, okay? And that verse is in Matthew chapter 7, in <clears throat> verse 21 and verse 23. And Jesus is talking here. And Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that, you know, that, what? Not everyone that calls upon your name is going to be saved. Not everyone who calls himself a Christian is going to be saved. That's what, that's not my words. That's not a man. That's not a preacher's words. That's the words of our Savior. That's the words of Jesus. If you have a red letter Bible, you can know that because they show up in red. <laughs> Actually, pretty much every word in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 shows up in red because this is the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, they will not enter it. The, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in verse 22, he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And we cast out demons in your name. And do mighty, many mighty works in your name. And then in verse 23, he says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work lawlessness. Now that's pretty stiff, right? That's pretty, that's pretty um, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I, we cast out devils in your name. But did you do the will of my father? There is a distinct difference between those two things. There is, and the, because it's all because of the word that Jesus used in, in verse 23, the word no. K-N-O-W. That word no is from the Greek word gnosko. And it takes us beyond this intellectual understanding, okay? Because I can know somebody, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about knowing who Jesus is. He's not talking about knowing God in, his, in this mental capacity. That's not the word he's talking about. The word gnosko takes us past a mental awareness, or an acquaintance, and it implies something deeper. It implies, implies something personal and something of a firsthand experience. This is the difference. Let me explain it this way, put it in, in, in our terms. Um, I'll make it personal. Th th this is, I thought of this last night as I was going through. I thought, you know what, how can I separate this? This is how you separate it. 
I know this pretty girl named Larissa, but I haven't met her yet. That's those who, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. We, we cast out devils in your name. We did many things in your name. I, I know this pretty girl named Larissa, but I haven't met her yet. And those who do the will of the Father, the difference is this. I know this pretty girl named Larissa, and she's my wife. That's the difference. I knew her. I saw her on a softball field, and I was like, my Lord. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> you know? And, and uh, I went over, and I, I, I talked to her. She didn't give me the time of day at first, but uh, it's all right. She's playing hard to get. I won. How about that? But I knew who she was. I knew her name, but that was, that was the extent of it. There's many Christians who know who Jesus is. There's many Christians that know his name, and they know to pray in his name, and they know to, to, to operate in the power of his name, but they don't know him. There's no firsthand, personal, intimate connection there. There's, there's nothing there that, that sticks, you know? It's like a, a meringue pie, you know? There's nothing to the meringue, you know? You, you just, you eat the meringue, and it, it's just, it's like drinking water. It goes straight through. But, you know, when, when you... When you begin to know the Lord and you begin to have a personal, deeper relationship with him and you begin to share things with him and you begin to walk through some valleys with him and you go through some storms with him and you go through some, some, some hardships with him and you realize that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, you realize, on the other hand, you can say, oh, yeah, I know his name is Jesus, but I know him. See, it's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more personal, and it's a, it, it's, a, it's a big difference between just knowing who Jesus is and knowing him. Amen. Because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to settle with just knowing that her name was Larissa and that she was pretty to look at. <laughs> she just walked in. She's like, what? I, I didn't want to settle with just that. I wanted to get to know her. So how do we do that? Well, I asked her to marry me. That's how I did that. But when it comes to Jesus, how do we do that? Well, in, 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 Matthew, in Matthew 7, go back to 721. He says, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let me define that verse with another verse. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today, so your hand's going to be really tired by the time you might have to have somebody feed you lunch because your hand's going to be tired. Um, James 1.22, and for some of us that have been in a certain Bible study over the last several weeks, many, some of this is going to be redundant. <laughs> but uh, James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. 
See, I can, it's good to hear the word. It's good to have, because what does the word, what does hearing the word do? It, it gives me faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's good to hear the word of God, but I can't stop there. That's like stopping at meeting Larissa. I met her, and I, if I would have just stopped there, then I would have never had the privilege of getting to know her, and we wouldn't have had two beautiful little girls, and I wouldn't have been their daddy, and I wouldn't have been her man, and I love being her man. She's going to hit me after church, embarrassing her like this. No, she doesn't hit me. She'll only abuse me. I better say that for the recording. Anybody listen to like, Lord, we need to, we need to call, call the police. We've got enough police represented in this church that I think we're all right. <laughs> but it's about something more. And James was saying, be doers of the word. And those, because it's, and going back to what Jesus said, those who do the will of my father. It's about putting the word in action. It's about taking it further than just going into my ears and understanding it mentally. It's about putting it into action in my life. And that's when you begin to see the fruit of the word at play in your life. And the fruit of the, of the will of the Father in your life is when we put it into action. Amen? And so we've got to do, uh, we've got to be doers of the word. So, what is God's will for us as it relates to getting to know him more? How many would raise your hand and say, I would love to go deeper in my relationship? I, I, that, that I understand, and we talked about it Wednesday, I understand that no matter what mile marker on this journey I'm at, there's another step. There's a way I can go deeper, and I can get into deeper waters. Let me stop right Anybody see the video on Facebook of that girl swimming and that shark swimming around her? Freaked me out. And I'm like watching it going, shark, shark. Yeah, that, uh-uh, I'm out. I'm out. She did. She survived. It's swimming right at her. This dude must have been on like a high-rise hotel videoing her. And she's just out for a daily swim in this massive shadow swimming right underneath her. And I'm like. I show my wife, and she's like, uh-uh, we ain't ever going to the beach again. We'll go to the lake. Ain't no sharks in a lake. Snakes, yeah. Thanks for running that. <laughs> so how do we get to know him more? How do we go deeper? Well, from what I see in the Word of God, there are three things that take us from someone that just knows him by name to someone who has an intimate knowledge of him, an intimate experience and understanding. It's the process of getting to know him, getting to know his power, and getting to know his goodness on a level I've never experienced before. Because wherever you're at in God, there's more. Look at somebody and say, there's more for you. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that, you'll settle for where you're at, and you'll miss out on the promise and the blessing and the power and the incredible things that he has in store for you if you think, I've reached the pinnacle of God's relationship, my relationship with God. There's more. And so 
the beauty of this is that no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, there's a deeper understanding. There's a deeper knowledge that is attainable. A few years ago, there was a song that came out, and part of the lyrics were, were this. If you like it, put a ring on it. If you like it, put a ring on it. That's all I know of the song. If you like it, put a ring on it. I think it was a hip-hop song, so I don't know anything about it. If George Jones would have sang it, I could sing it for you, but George Jones didn't sing it. Um, and that leads me to my first step, baptism. Baptism. If you truly love him, because let me, let me, let me tell you what baptism is. Baptism is a covenant. That's what baptism is. It's the new covenant. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 tell us this. It says, Paul's talking, he said, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. That's repentance. And that's and by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism. Baptism is the ring of our relationship with God. It is the wedding ceremony of our relationship with God. That, what, that is what baptism is. I am making a commitment to him to be his and to follow him and to love him and love his commandments and love his word and love his presence and to communicate with him and to talk with him and to listen to him. That's what I'm, that's the, it's not just, uh, oh, let's, you know, get wet. No, 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 no. It's a covenant that I'm making a commitment to you, Lord, that I'm going to walk in this commitment with you every single day. And he says, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Amen. And when you make that covenant, you get to benefit because of that covenant. When you make that commitment, there are multiple benefits, unmatched benefits that come with a, making a covenant with Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's why baptism is so powerful. If we truly love him and desire to get to know him in a deeper way, entering into a covenant with him joins us to him in a way that nothing else does. But baptism is not the only thing we must do. It's the first step, but certainly not the last step. Amen? Because stopping with baptism is like going to the wedding ceremony, and then after the wedding ceremony, not living with her and not communicating with her and not going on dates with her. All, all I'm doing is it, it, just, it, it was all about the ceremony. That's not a marriage. That's not a relationship. So if I stop at baptism, and unfortunately that's what, that's what many Christians do, is they get to the point and they say, okay, yeah, I, I'm going to be baptized and I'm going to make this commitment. And, I'm gonna, and then after the baptism, they think, woohoo, I did it. And they stay in the shallow ankle-deep waters for their whole life, and they wonder, why, is, why do I feel like I'm still missing something? It's because it's a relationship. I, and and it's, it, it's like a friendship. It's like a, you know, it's not. If I want to grow in it, 
I have to communicate. There has to be effort. There has to be investment. There has to be this process of me giving and talking and listening and, and spending time. Amen? Um, I had a, in fact, Pastor Terry, who was here last week, uh, I guess it was, I don't remember if it was right before we got married or right after we got married. We were going, we were going, no, it was before because we were in premarital counseling. And um, he told us, he said, when you guys have kids, he says, understand this one thing. It's not about the quality of time you spend with your kids. It's the quantity. They'll determine the quality. They'll determine what sticks out to them. You just invest the time. Let them figure out what's meaningful or not. He said because he realized that later in life, and all of his, he's got three boys and one girl, and they were all sitting around, and his boys were talking about something that happened, and they were cracking up, and they were laughing about it, and they were like, Dad, do you remember that? And he was like, no. They're like, you don't remember it? And they played it out. But obviously, it stuck out in their mind, but he's like, I don't remember it for the life of me. And he said, I realized right then it's not the quality that I think is necessary. It's the quantity. And you see, our relationship with the Lord, it's not taking five minutes and making the most out of five minutes. It's spending as much time in his presence and with him as I possibly can and understanding that out of the quantity of time I spend with him, there's going to be some quality. And so... It, it, I've got to give him as much as I can possibly give him. And it's about priorities. How important is it for me to spend time with Jesus? How important is it for me to, to get to know him more and get to understand who he is? Man, that's what it's about. And so it, it, it's, it's about spending that quality. And so I've, I can't just stop at baptism because... If I'm in a covenant with him, that's the starting point. And so if you're here and you've never been baptized or you feel like it's time to make a renewal, then, and then I encourage you, seek out, do a study, a topical study on baptism. Understand how important it is. And if you've been baptized, then the next two things are for you because there's two more things. The, the next one, the, the, one of the other ways we get to know God deeper is something that is required on a regular basis, and it is the action of prayer. The action of prayer. John 15, verses 4 through 5. Again, Jesus is talking. He does a lot of that in the Gospels, which is good. We need that. That's why you need to read through the Gospels at least once. A year. <laughs> like how I threw that in there at the last second. You're like, once in a lifetime. Oh, I can do that. Once in a year. What? Abide in me and I in you. That's what he says. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Go, stay on verse 4. 
He says, as the branch, we are the branch. Look at somebody say, I'm a branch. I'm a branch. I'm, I'm the map. I'm the map. Um, as the branch, we cannot bear fruit unless we stay connected to the vine. Who's the vine? Who's the vine? Who's the vine? There we go. Yeah, now, now you're awake. <laughs> Verse 5. I am the vine. Jesus talking. You are the branches. He just makes it perfectly clear. So there's no misunderstanding. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. You need me. And he says, whoever abides in me and I in him. You see, this is what I love about a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't just put it all on you. He said, if you'll do your part to stay connected to me, and if you'll stay connected to me, he says, I'll pour myself into you. It's not just about me being connected to him. He says, if you'll abide in me, he says, I'll abide in you. I'll exist in you. I'll pour myself into you. I'll just open up. The doors, I like this. Who uh, I think Dyron said it several weeks ago. He said, we talk about the windows of heaven opening. You can bring much more big, much bigger things through a doorway than you can a window. And so I'm going to start saying, Lord, just open the door of blessing. Amen. And so he wants to do that, but I've got to do my part and stay connected to him. And the way I do that first is through a covenant, and second is through the action of prayer. And he says, uh, he continues, says, for it is he, it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't impact my world if I'm not connected to him. I, I can't. And the thing that keeps us most firmly attached to the vine is prayer. To be baptized and to never pray is to vacate my commitment to him. If I'm baptized and I never spend time in prayer, because prayer is not just to be an event or an obligation. That's not what prayer is. It is something that is ongoing, it's fluid, it's dynamic communication back and forth between a, between a loving Heavenly Father and His children. That's what prayer is. It's this give and take. It's this me talking and me listening. Probably me doing more listening than more talking. But there's, there's a time to express ourselves. There's a time to, to give, and there's a time to talk, and there's a time to shut up and listen. I know I'm not supposed to say shut up, so I'm sorry. But sometimes <laughs> that's the language I understand, <laughs> and I feel like the Lord says, hey, shut up. I, I want to talk. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, us preachers, we like to talk. And this was the idea behind what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, and I don't have it up here, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Anybody, it's a real long verse. Anybody, can, anybody quote it? Anybody quote 1 Thessalonians 5.17? It's like the longest verse in Scripture. He says, pray without ceasing. Just pray constantly. Pray continuously. Now, what does that mean? Explain yourself. It's not... Spending every minute of every day in this, um, our Father who art in heaven, we've got to, we've got to work, we've got to, you know, we've got responsibilities. 
but it, it's, it's, a, it's the idea of staying continually connected to him through the day in the spirit of prayer. There is such a thing as a spirit of prayer. And Jesus, as the vine, nourishes us through prayer. Him, as the vine, sustains our needed growth through that constant contact of prayer as I consistently consistently stay connected to him there is this sustaining that happens why because when I spend time with him in prayer I receive the life-giving source that is only supplied through my connection to the vine because the vine has the power the vine has that life-giving flow that reaches to the branches and if I'm not connected to the vine I will die on my own and that's why we're sheep and not lions, because sheep operate in numbers. The Bible, over and over and over again, and I've preached about this, I've taught about this, that it's not very glowing to be called a sheep, because sheep are kind of dumb. They're dunt at us, okay? That's what it's my terminology I mean they're just they're not smart they'll just wander off oh there's some green grass over there and they get over by themselves and you see if we don't stay connected that's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of your we're not meant to be separated we're not meant to be disconnected we're not meant to go through this life all by ourselves, that we are meant to be connected to something greater than us. And it's not just Jesus, but that's why the church was born. He says, I want you to go house to house because these people need like-minded believers to stay connected to because the body edifies the body. The body ministers to the body. Amen. We need to encourage each other. We need to lift each other up. We need to pray for each other. It, it, don't just leave it up to uh, the pastor and his family or the ministry. No, no, we're all ministers, and we reach out to each other, and, and we, we help and encourage each other. And you can pray for your brother. You can pray for, the, for your friend, your sister, your people around you. But it is the avenue uh, of prayer that gives life into our life. And just as any marriage requires effort and commitment, our relationship with God requires us to follow through on making him our number one priority. Prayer, and this, I, I, this is important for us to understand, prayer is not only about speaking to God. Prayer is about being open, available, accessible, and this is the word we don't like, vulnerable. It's about being vulnerable to him. That's what prayer is. Because if I go in and I talk, say, okay, Lord, here I am, I'm praying, and I'm talking with you, and I need this, and I need this, and this is what's going on in my life, and, and he's like, okay, and he's listening and being a good father, and, and he's, you know, listening to us. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, you know, now it's my turn to talk, but for one, we won't close this, and we just da 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 And then when we get done talking, 
He starts talking, and we're like, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm good. It's like a teenager that knows better than the parents, right? I was 16. I thought I had it all figured out. You know, I did. I really did. I thought I could whip my dad. He said, let's put on the boxing gloves, and he proved real quick that I could not whip my old man. Part of it was because I called him my old man, and I got a black eye. There you go. Life lesson 101. Shut mouth, no black eye. But that's what prayer is. Prayer is about being open in his presence and being available, saying, Lord, yes, here I am, and here's all my junk. Because that's what we do in prayer. We just unload. Blech. We just just dish it out. Lord, here it is. Here's all my stuff, and here's why I'm mad, and this is why I'm upset, and this is, Lord, I don't understand this, and we can complain to him, and we can vent to him, and you read the book of Psalms, and we talked about it in our Bible study, but you read the book of Psalms, and David gets mad at God, and he's like, why? He's like, why didn't you do this, and why didn't you allow this, and, and he's yelling at God, and, and we're like, oh, no, we're not supposed to yell at God. God understands us. He gave us the emotions. You don't think, he's not offended. He's got thick skin, I promise you. You just give it, but once you're done giving it, be willing to receive. Be open enough to receive. Spend enough time. Don't just spend enough time to give. Spend enough time to receive. Because if I'm going to grow deeper, I can't grow deeper if I'm doing all the talking. I've got to be quiet, and I've got to let him pour into me. It's good that I abide in him, but I must have him abiding in me. I must have him pouring himself in me. I must spend time, enough quantity of time for him to give me things. Because what happens is when he starts pouring into me, he's standing over here in the waters to swim in. And he's drawing me deeper and deeper and deeper because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are greater than my ways. He understands things. He sees my life from the beginning to the end. He knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows what you'll face next week. And if I'll let him pour into me after I've emptied myself to him in prayer, he will draw me. And in that drawing, he will strengthen me. That's the beauty of prayer. That's the necessity of prayer. You spend enough time in prayer, fear has no place in your life because you'll grow to trust him in the, in the, in the, in the practice of prayer. You spend enough time in prayer, guilt will be dismissed from your past. You know why? Because you'll spend enough time that you'll realize he's forgiven you. His grace and his blood has covered those things. And you'll understand that, hey, I am who you say I am. Like we just sang, I am a child of the king. I have a heritage. I am more than what this life or my past says I am. My identity is in him. Man, that's what prayer does. That's the power of prayer. That's why if we're not praying, we have no relationship with him. We're saying, Lord, Lord, but all we know is his name. That's not enough. If we want to change our world, we've got to be praying. Prayer equips us. Prayer guards us. Prayer is Ephesians 6. Prayer is where I put on the body of the armor of God. That's where I put those things on is through prayer. Amen.
And so the practice of prayer is powered by the spirit of prayer, which is powered by the Holy Spirit, because the spirit of prayer is about just being in his presence. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says we need to come boldly before the throne of grace. That's what Esther did. Esther's like, Psh, I'm the queen. But he hasn't extended his scepter. Psh, watch this. Just marched her bad self right up in there and said, hey. He said, yes, ma'am. Whatever you want. Sometimes we need to come in and say, hey, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of feeling beat down and victimized, and, 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 and I'm tired of battling this fear and this guilt and this shame and all this stuff. Lord, I come before you. Help me. And he'll say, come on in, because you know why? His scepter is always extended towards us. That's what the cross was. That's what his resurrection gave for us, bought for us, amen, was that we could enter into his presence any time. That's why the veil don't have to be a high priest in the priesthood. He was our high priest. He tore the veil. He made it available that we can come to him anytime. And, and we can experience his power and experience his grace and his mercy. And that's the beautiful thing about prayer. That's what prayer does. Prayer enters us into the holy of holies. And it's a place where there is power. It's, it's, it's incredible. And so if, you, if you've never experienced what it's truly like to spend time in prayer with him, I encourage you to do that. Do it on a regular basis. Not, don't make it an event. Don't make it an obligation like, okay, on June 3rd, we're going to pray. And then July 6th, we're going to pray. No, 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 no. No, make it something that happens on a regular basis. Amen. And you'll find that in, the, in, the, in, that, in that season of prayer, in that spirit of prayer, you're going to realize when you get out of it and between that time and the next time you spend, you're going to long for it. Oh, I can't wait to get back in his presence. I can't wait to spend time with him. And it's going to grow this hunger in you. Because Jesus said in Matthew, he said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, before you read anything else, go back and read that. There is so much power and blessing for your life in those three chapters. It's incredible. And so, um, because prayer is the place that we grow, we turn our attention to him, and there is this humbling that occurs within us because then we can truly begin to understand who he is and how much he loves me, and it is in prayer that we feel his goodness. Amen? Amen. So look at somebody and say, I'm going to be praying. And then the last part, the final way, we got baptism, which is the wedding band of our relationship. We've got prayer, which is the communication. The final way to know God is really the simplest. Uh, if you want to gain knowledge about a historical figure, what do you do? You get his autobiography, right? And you pick it up and you start reading it. The same is true about God. If I want to get to know God, I start right here. If I'm not in this, I will not know how to pray. This teaches me how to pray. 
there is a deficiency in Christianity, and it is shallow prayer. People do not, I know people who have lived their whole life in some type of church environment, and they do not know how to pray. That is a shame. We, the church has failed in that part. We have to learn how to pray. And the only way we learn how to pray is right here. Amen. Because many of what you, a lot of what you read are prayers that were written down. Amen. And so as you begin to read, we must begin with the Bible. And I saved the best for the last. So really the last is the first and the first is the last. Whether it's prayer, the Bible, baptism, baptism, the Bible, prayer, however you throw it in, they're all three necessary for to grow and to know God more. If you want to know him and take the next step in the journey of going deeper in your relationship, and no matter where you're at, you can build your life on the word of God. Amen? Because this is the bedrock foundation of who you are and all that we do, and it's not an option. It's not an optional part of faith. It's a necessity for our faith. Amen. Matthew, in Matthew 7, 24, I want to read this. If you have your Bibles turned there, I don't think I have it up here. Um, but I want to read this in the Message Bible because I love the way the Message Bible writes this. What Jesus is talking about is he's getting ready to talk about the parable of the builder, you know, the guy that built his house on the sand and the guy that built his house on the rock. This is the lead-in to that. And this is how the Message Bible explain, uh, uh, writes it. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. I love the way that that is, that, that is portrayed. This isn't something that's just an improvement to your life. This is the very foundation of your life. That's how important the word of God is. I cannot know him if I'm not in the word. I cannot go deeper because there, is, there are mysteries that, that will remain mysterious to my life if I do not open the pages of this book. This isn't just a book. This book is alive. This book is powerful. The writer of Hebrews says, in, in Hebrews 4.12, he defines it with three words. He says the word of God is quick, it's powerful, and it's sharp. And those three things I need in my life. Amen. The word of God is quick, which means alive, it's living, it's moving. 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. It'll be here long after we're gone. <laughs> Amen. It, 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 everything will pass away. Everything will wither. He says, but the word of God endures forever. The word of God is forever. You know why? Because John 1.1. 1, 1. <laughs> In the beginning was what? Before anything else. Before the first sprig of grass poked its head up out of the ground, there was the word. 
before the first animal, before light entered into the void of darkness, his word was there. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There is no separation between God and his word. He all abides together. That's why he calls the word alive. That's why he calls it powerful. You know why? Because God is alive, and God is powerful. That's why we must apply the word to our life. Amen. He calls it quick. He also calls it powerful. The word of God is powerful in every facet of our life, in battle. Its, its power is unmatched in this world or the spiritual realm. There's nothing that can, you, you get in, let me, let me tell you this. If you don't know what to pray, you just open it up and you start praying the word. Go to Isaiah, go to Jeremiah, go to go to uh, Psalms, go to Proverbs, go to uh, Philippians. You can turn to a number of books, and you start opening it up, and you start you start praying the word, and you start speaking what the word. Because and, and watch how things begin, because this has all authority in my life, in your life and in the spiritual realm. Those, those, those devils, those spirits that try to come into our house and try to fight against us and try to mess us all up, you know the best way to deal with them? Pick up the sword. That's why, that's why we're given it. That's why he gave it to us. What good is a sword in battle if I leave it in its sheath? I'm going to whip you. I got a sword. Don't come no close to me. I've got a sword. It's sitting right there on the shelf. I know it's dusty, but I've got a sword. They was like, psh, you ain't used that in 20 years. I ain't scared of you. You pick it up, and you start using it, and you start applying it to your life, and the, and the enemy looks at you in a whole different light, and they're like, oh, oh, now they're equipped. Now they're armed. Now they're dangerous. Amen. This makes us dangerous. This makes you dangerous for the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to be used by him, and I've got to get into this. Its power is unmatched. Its power is evident in the scriptures. Jesus spoke, and what happened? The lame walked, the dead raised. All these things happened when Jesus spoke. Amen. The writer also calls the word sharp. It can penetrate even the strongest defenses of the enemy. Stand with me. The strongholds that the enemy tries to put up can be penetrated by the word of God. Amen. That's, that's what I love about it. Because there is no defense that can stand up to this. There is no tactic, no scheme, no strategy that is greater than this. This is our battle plan. This is our battle strategy. This is how we win. I just go back here to Revelations, and I start reading, and he starts telling me how the devil's already defeated and how this enemy, this accuser of the brethren, this, this one that's trying to mess your life up is already defeated. Amen. You know why? Because I'm a child of the king. You're a child of God. 
Look at somebody and say, I am a child of God. Oh, that was weak. Look at somebody and tell them, I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. Don't be timid. Boldly proclaim the word of God. Boldly proclaim the word of God in your life, over your life, and through your life. Amen. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. There's all kinds of people out there that are speaking boldly with all kinds of junk. We're just going to throw the blanket of junk out there. You define that however you want to. The church needs to boldly be proclaiming the word. And I'm not saying beat people with it. But you can proclaim it with love and compassion. And you can draw people to Christ by the word of God. That's, that's the power of it. That's the, that's the quickening of it. That's the, it's sharper. It, 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 you just give somebody a verse and say, hey, I'm going through this. Well, hey, hey, let me give you a verse. And you just go home and, you, and they open that verse and that, that sword comes out. And they're like, ooh. And it starts. It's like a scalpel just starts cutting stuff up. And they're like, my goodness. That's what the word of God does. That's how powerful it is in our life. And so if I want to know God, how many want to know God? Know God deeper, grow in him, understand him in a deeper way. Then if you've already been baptized, then prayer and the word, prayer and the word. Let those things be a part of your everyday life, and you will watch as you begin to get into the deeper Walk and you'll walk into the deeper things of God. And like we heard several weeks ago, the deep calls to the deep. You know why? Because he's he's wanting you to know. I've got so much down here. Lord, but it's dark. He's oh, I am your light. You just come on in. You just you just follow me. He says, I'm gonna take you to places and I'm gonna open doors for you and I'm gonna show you things and I'm gonna reveal myself to you in ways you never thought possible. Amen. If I'll just be willing to walk. Amen. Let's close with prayer. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us the opportunity and the availability to come before you in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for what uh, you do in our life through a covenant of baptism. But Lord, I'm asking you to let there be a hunger that just fuels us. Let there be a hunger that propels us to, to seek you and to pursue you and to, to follow after you, Lord, that, that we're not satisfied with the shallow things. We're not satisfied with, with where we are today, but, Lord, that we're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep seeking and we're going to keep following you and we're going to stay in your word and we're going to, God, we're going to communicate with you in prayer and abide in you so you can abide in us, Lord. 
help us so all of this can help us change our world and impact lives and, and, and maybe somehow, some way we can spread hope where there's hopelessness and, and we can spread light where there's darkness, God. I pray that you strengthen every person here. Be the lifter of their head this week. God, inspire them, birth a hunger of your word and prayer in our hearts and in our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. And one last time, look at somebody and give them a high five and say, I'm going to go deeper with him. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your day. Next 